Hello, welcome to Hostream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. My name is Pastor Solomon Odinyebuchi Okono. Today, our topic is Law and Grace. The key text is Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are set again to review your word. Please, Father, grant us guidance as we study your word. And dear Lord, bless us with courage to obey your word. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There are many confusing teachings about law and grace. And many people are struggling to understand the relationship between the two. Simply put, God's law is a standard of holiness and righteousness. And violation of his law is sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And because we all violated God's law and sinned, according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, God extended his grace to us, through which means we will be saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, verse 8. The seven-day Sabbath is part of the law. Yet for various reasons, many Christians are determined to reject it. The theme of law and grace is found throughout the Bible, but Deuteronomy presents it within a unique context. Law in heaven. The Bible says that God is love and that the foundation of his government is love. He wants us also to love him and to love others. For he does not want us to love him by compulsion, but to love him freely. That was why he created us as moral beings, with the ability to make choices. Central to the idea of moral freedom is moral choice. God created us with the freedom to choose what we want to do. Animals do not have moral choice. Only moral beings like you and I do. Ezekiel 28 verses 15 and 16 tells us that Lucifer chose to rebel against God in heaven, meaning that even in heaven, God has a moral law for the angels. Through the law, God expressed his will for us. The law reveals God's character and what he wants for us. Ellen G. White explains, The will of God is expressed in the precepts of his holy law. And the principles of this law are the principles of heaven. The angels of heaven attain unto no higher knowledge than to know the will of God. And to do his will is the highest service that can engage their powers. This is taken from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 109. If God has moral beings, he will also have moral law to govern them. And violation of that law, in heaven or on earth, is sin. Law and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 19. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Israel was finally at the borders of Canaan. God was about fulfilling his promise to their fathers. But just before they entered the land, 
Moses gave them some instructions, which were the commands to obey. God had done so much for Israel, and it was now their obligation to respond to God's goodness and faithfulness by obeying him. Obedience to God was Israel's covenant obligation. God did for Israel what they could not do for themselves and what they didn't deserve. But all he asked in response was obedience to his law. In this same way, God has done so much for us. We do not deserve his goodness, but he has remained faithful all the same. All he requires of us is obedience. He says to us, if you love me, keep my commandments. John chapter 14 verse 15. By grace, God redeems us, doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And in response, we live by faith, a life of obedience to him and to his law. The Bible talks about an end-time people who will bear God's mark by keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. There's a strong relationship between God's covenant and the law. And Revelation 14, verse 12, reveals this relationship. There's always a danger, however, of getting trapped in legalism as we strive to keep the law. How can we avoid the trap of legalism as we obey the law? Tuesday, let two luck. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 to 13. Now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Letuf lak is a Hebrew expression which stands for, for your own good. Some Bible critics believe that the God of the Old Testament is a very wicked God who takes pleasure in killing and giving tough instructions to his children. But did God give his law to punish man? Obviously, no. Again and again, the Old Testament presents the Lord as loving his ancient people and wanting only what is best for them. And this love appears powerfully in the book of Deuteronomy. Every law or commandments given by God to his children is for their own good. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 1 to 5, you see God over and over using the words you, your, even if he was talking to the whole nation. This goes to show that each one was to be responsible to God and their obedience to him was to benefit them first as individuals and then the nation. The law often has been compared to a hedge, a wall of protection. And by staying within that wall, God's followers are protected from a raft of evil that otherwise would overtake and destroy them. In short, out of love for his people, God gave them his law, and obedience to his law would be for their good. In like manner, obedience to God's word is for our good. What are ways in which we can see for ourselves how obedience to God's law has indeed been for our own good? A slave in Egypt, Deuteronomy 26 verse 8, 
So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. This text is a con constant reminder of how the Lord led Israel out of the land of their slavery. All through the Old Testament, in fact, the story of the Exodus has been referred to as an example of God's mighty deliverance by His grace from the slavery and oppression of Egypt. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage. Micah 6 verse 4. Even in the New Testament, Paul captured the faithfulness of God in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 29. The exodus of Egypt by God's great power was a symbol of salvation by faith in Christ. Notice that God wanted Israel to keep the fourth commandment as a mark of their appreciation for their deliverance. Although it has been written in stone in Exodus, but Moses expanded on what already had been given them. He wrote that Israel should keep the Sabbath not only as a memorial of creation, but also as a memorial of redemption from Egypt. God's grace saved them from Egypt and offered them rest for their works. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. In response to the grace God gave them, they needed to extend that grace to others. In this case then, the seven-day Sabbath becomes not just a powerful symbol of creation, but also a powerful symbol of redemption and grace. On the Sabbath, everyone in the household, not just the children, but the servants, the animals, and even the strangers among them can rest. The Sabbath extends to others the grace given to the Jews as well, even to those outside the covenant. And it is found in the heart of God's law. What God has graciously done for them, they need to do for others. It's that simple. Not for your righteousness. Romans chapter 4 verse 3. For what said the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The theme of justification is one of the central themes of the Bible. In the Faith I Live By, page 109, Ellen G. White expressed the idea like this. What is justification by faith? It is the work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust, and doing for man that which is not in his power to do for himself. When men see their own nothingness, they are prepared to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Beyond question, when you consider who God is and how holy he is, in contrast to who we are and how unholy in contrast to him we are, it would have to take an amazing act of grace to save us. And it did. That action of grace happened at the cross of Calvary with Christ, the innocent one, dying for the sins of the guilty. In short, despite your faults, your flaws, your steep necks, the Lord is going to do this wonderful work for you and in you. Thus, as a result, the Lord commands you to obey Him and to obey His laws. The promise already has been given and delivered. Your works, your obedience 
even if they were good enough, which they are not, are not the means of your salvation. They are instead the result. The Lord has saved you by grace. Now, with His law written in your heart and His Spirit empowering you, go and obey His law. In conclusion, God saved us when we were undeserving of His grace. Now, all He requires of us is a life of obedience and response. Please pray with me. Eternal Father, thank you for your grace upon our lives. Thank you for blessing us with this opportunity to review your word and with the wisdom to grasp the lesson. Help us, dear Lord, to respond to you in faithfulness. Help us, Lord, to respond to you through obedience to your word. Father, grant us victory over the alluring things of this life and save us in the end. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For questions and contributions, you can reach me on WhatsApp through plus 234-903-789-1680. God bless you.